Our final kingdom encounter in Matthew begins in in chapter 27 this morning, uh, verse 45, during the crucifixion of Jesus. And some would say that this is the end of the story. We know differently, don't we? We know differently. From noon, darkness fell upon all the land until 3 p.m. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The centurion and all those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus... When they saw the earthquake and and the things that were happening, they became very frightened and, and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Just as another Gentile centurion whom we saw in our kingdom encounters back in Matthew chapter 8, this other Gentile centurion was able to recognize who Jesus is. Truly, this was the Son of God. And When it was evening... There came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. On Pilate's orders, the priests and the scribes, they they go and they, they make the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a a seal on the stone. And Mary Magdalene, she's there, and and the other Mary, the, the mother of James and Joseph, they sit opposite the grave. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it begins to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they, they come to look at the grave. And, and behold a severe earthquake has occurred. For an angel of the Lord has descended from heaven and has come and has rolled away the stone and now sits upon it. And his appearance is like lightning and his clothing is white as snow. And and this, if you remember, this isn't the first time we've seen a, a person with the appearance like lightning and clothes as white as snow. Our kingdom encounter back in Matthew 17, Jesus and Peter and James and John, they, they go to the mountain and Jesus is transfigured and, and those three disciples, they catch a glimpse of Jesus' true form and what would be to come. Well, the guards, when this, in the presence of this angel, the guards, they shake in fear of him and they become like dead men. And I would say that is an understatement. <laughs> Trembling, afraid, in shock, not moving. I mean, what would you or I do? The angel says to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Come see the place where where he was lying. This angel, this heavenly messenger has news to bring. Do not be afraid. And, And why would the angel say this? Well, Think about the judgment which God pronounced way back in Genesis chapter 19 on the, on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Angels, they, they visited first and, and then they brought judgment. And when angels show up, one had best be ready. Do you remember when the angel Gabriel 
brings the good news of the birth of salvation, Jesus, to Mary. When he shows up, when Gabriel shows up, Mary is afraid. And he says to Mary, do not fear. Or in Luke 2, when the shepherds on the hillside are visited by the heavenly host who announce the birth of Jesus. The shepherds, they are terrified. And the angel says, fear not. And in the same way on this morning, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. I know you're looking for Jesus, Jesus who has been crucified. He did die, yes, he died. But he is not here. He has risen just as he said. In Matthew 26, on the night which Jesus was arrested, Jesus told the disciples that he would see them again. He said, after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. The angel says, come and see the place where he was lying. Come and see for yourselves where his body lay. Come see that he is risen just as he said. We can trust what the Lord says. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I've told you. Again, Jesus had told them in Matthew 26, verse 32. We just saw it. After I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. The women, they, they leave the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. Matthew says both of those emotions. They run and they report it to the disciples. And they leave, they, they don't amble, they don't saunter. <laughs> they leave quickly. They, they leave quickly to do as they've been directed by this heavenly messenger. And they have these mixed emotions of, of fear and great joy. And, and why fear? Well, we've said. What if this is true? These women, they've seen Jesus crucified. They saw his lifeless body taken down from the cross. And if he's truly back, is he bringing down holy judgment from heaven? We saw in these kingdom encounters in Matthew 24 that the Son of Man will come. And it will be obvious. And all the tribes on the earth will mourn. He's coming. If this is true, then everything Jesus has told us is true. That's why there's great joy. We can trust in what the Lord says. And we see in verse 9, Behold, Jesus meets them, and He greets them, and, and they come up and they take hold of His feet, and they worship Him. Jesus is a gentleman. Jesus greets them to put them at ease, doesn't He? And, and the women, well, I, I think this is one of the biggest understatements in all of Scripture as well. The women bow down, they grab his feet, and they worship. What would our response be? I mean, what more can be said? <laughs> they bow down, they grab his feet, and they worship. Jesus says to them, Do not be afraid. Go in and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus repeats to the women what they first heard from the, from the angel at the tomb. Do not be afraid. There's no need to fear. I'm alive. I died. I was dead. I was killed, but I'm alive again. Do not be afraid. In fact, there's no need to, to, to worry about death ever again. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So off they go. They take the words of Jesus 
They take the words of Jesus and his resurrection to the brethren of Jesus. They take the word of the Lord. You know, we can trust what the Lord says. And and while they are on their way, while all this is going on, some of the guards, they come into the city and they report to the chief priests all that has happened. And, and evidently the guards who were in shock, they, they come to, they rally, they, they go into the city to tell what has happened. And, and the, when the priests assemble, we are told, they assemble with the elders and they consult together. They give a large sum of money to the soldiers. The priests tell them, you were to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And, and if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. There's no honor among thieves. And (laughs) if I was one of those soldiers, I'd sure think twice before I trusted those chief priests. (laughs) But that's just me. Well, they take the money, and and they do as they've been instructed. and, And Matthew says that this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. As my grandmother used to say, the truth will always find you out. The truth will always find you out. Regardless of what schemes have been devised or plans have been concocted, you can't bury the gospel. You can't bury the gospel. And then we see in verse 16 that the 11 disciples, they proceed to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus has designated. And like the women at the tomb, when they see Jesus so succinctly, So powerfully stated, they see Jesus and they worship him. But then Matthew adds this. He says, but some were doubtful. Some were doubtful. And and that's interesting. With, With all they've been through, with all they've been through, with all they've seen, with all they've shared, with all that they have experienced, this this band of brothers, some are still doubtful. We, we see some of that too, though, don't we? This occurred to me this week as I was looking over the text. Sometimes doubt is actually pride in disguise. Think about that. Sometimes doubt is actually pride in disguise. And, and pride can be an awkward, ugly thing, can it? Jesus comes up and he speaks to them and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why does he say this? Well, what is an authority? Well, it's a credible source of reliable information or evidence, the kind of evidence that can settle a dispute. And a few days prior to all of this, just before the day we refer to as Palm Sunday, remember all this has been in the last week. In Matthew chapter 20, in in the kingdom encounter, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, we we read that as Jesus was about to go into Jerusalem, he he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he, he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and on the third day... He will be raised up. Is this true? (laughs) Well, if this is true, then everything Jesus has told them is true. For instance, every one of those prophecies regarding Jesus, His birth, His ministry, 
the abuse and scorn which he suffered on the way to the cross, his, his crucifixion, his death, every one of those prophecies that we, we saw last time in Genesis and Isaiah and Zechariah and Psalm 22, every one of those prophecies regarding the coming of the Son of Man, the suffering servant who would be crushed for our iniquities, who would be crushed for our sins, every one is true. Everything that those disciples heard in the synagogue growing up regarding the coming of Messiah, everything which Jesus has shown them and told them has come true. All of the writings of the law and the prophets have been both revealed and fulfilled in Jesus. We can trust in what the Lord says. Jesus delivers his final directive to his disciples. In 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." what we know as the Great Commission. Jesus is is specific. Jesus is direct. Go and make disciples of all the nations. It's it's not the time to go back to the life that you knew. And that might be a temptation, I guess, for, for some. You know, when we have a tremendous experience, so often what follows maybe is a letdown, uh, kind of like maybe the, the January blues after Christmas. And And it's easy to fall back into what's comfortable. Or maybe, maybe it's the on the other side of the coin. Maybe we don't want that big moment to end. Do you remember when Peter and James and John, we just saw this, and they saw Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17? They they see Jesus in in, in his glory. They they see Moses, they see Elijah, and, and Peter, you know, Peter is the man with the plan. Peter tells Jesus in Matthew 17, he says, Lord, it is good that we are here. And if you want, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. You know, he's got the plan and Peter wants to stay on the mountain. And that's understandable. That's understandable. But then... You know, Peter, he's still speaking. He's he's constant, isn't he? Peter is still speaking. This, This bright cloud overshadows them. And behold, a voice from the cloud says this in Matthew 17. He says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And we fast forward to today in Matthew 28. This directive hasn't changed we are, we are to obey. We are to listen to the Son. And as much as we love to, to sit and soak it all in, we're to go and make disciples. And, and, and disciples, these ones who walk alongside, who follow after Christ, we are told to go and make disciples of all the nations. You know, most of us love home, don't we? We love home, and 
Do you remember in, in that kingdom encounter back in Matthew chapter 8 when one of the disciples wanted to follow Jesus, but he, but he had made an excuse? He, he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And we don't even know if the father's even sick. The father may be out playing golf. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but leaving, leaving hearth and home and mother... What, what, did, what did Jesus say to this one and to all the ones to whom home and hearth and family ties and bloodlines can be sources of, of entrapment? Those blessings which maybe can hold us too tight sometimes. And we, we hold too tight to them, those things. Jesus says, follow me and, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. To, to follow means to be flexible. To follow the Son means to be flexible. Jesus said to go and, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Well, way back in our very first kingdom encounter in Matthew, we started in Matthew chapter 3 back in July of 2019. We first see John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist preaches repentance. You know, repent, turn from your sin, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we also see in that that all those who were being baptized, they were all coming out to, to, the, to the Jordan River. They were being baptized. They confessed their sins. This, this baptism of repentance, confessing, admitting to sin, and, and turning from sin, Becoming a disciple means to turn from one's sin, to repent once that sin is confessed. And when that one is baptized in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, well, that means that that one is now in the family, in the family. And we read in John chapter 17, in John's account of the Last Supper, Jesus has this beautiful prayer. They call it the high priestly prayer. And Jesus prays to the Father, and it's a family prayer. He, he says in John chapter 17, verse 21, he says, that, that my, he prays that my disciples would all be one, just as you, Father, are, are in me and I in you, and that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Baptism tells the world to whom we belong. Baptism doesn't save. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Baptism is merely a sign that we belong to the Lord. We are, we are children of God. Baptism says that we are children of God, that we are born again, that we have confessed our sin, that we are turning from our sin. And when we are baptized, we are proclaiming these truths. When we are baptized... We are proclaiming the gospel. So Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Jesus has taught the things of God throughout these kingdom encounters. Think about all the time we've spent in the gospel of Matthew. We started in July 2019. We started in Matthew 3, and then at Christmas time last year, we went back and did Matthew 1 and 2. And, and we've been, we, we took a, a few weeks off as quarantine started to look at some psalms of encouragement. But then we got back into the kingdom encounters in Matthew, and, and, and it's here the end of November 2020. 
We, we've had nearly a year and a half of Scripture and teaching, and that's just in Matthew. Learning to observe. And then learning how to follow what has been observed. We are being taught. We're learning. We're observing. We're watching. And now we're trying to follow what we've watched, what we've observed. The fact of the matter is learning takes time, doesn't it? I want you to see what I think is a most significant verse in, in the living of these days. Jesus says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. These are the final words of Jesus as recorded by Matthew. You turn the page and it's the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> we have come to the end. But in the end, we find a new beginning. We find a brand new kingdom encounter. We, we find that every day as we follow the Lord in obedience with everything that He has shown us and He has taught us. We can trust what the Lord says. Come what may, we will never be left alone. As we follow the Lord's command and obedience, we will never be left alone. Come what may, we can trust what the Lord says. He is with you, He's with me always, even unto the end of the age and the beginning of eternity.